Hello and welcome to another edition of the podcast where we look back on the cartoons, movies, TV shows, and whatnot of our youth to see if they're still worth a damn. Or not. Or not, which is far too often the case. I am Sean. And I'm Chris. And this is Childhood Remastered. There have been a lot of cartoon adaptations of books and movies throughout the years. Oftentimes, those adaptations advance the stories and sometimes introduce new characters to show or books mythology. Think about how much was added to the Ghostbusters mythos by the real Ghostbusters cartoon. Well, sometimes a cartoon adaptation can vary so wildly from the original material that a completely new concept is created. That's the case with the show we're talking about today. Whereas the original book and movie portray the title character in a very human and oftentimes very troubling way, the cartoon doesn't so much showcase a character as it does a caricature. That show is Rambo, The Force of Freedom. Rambo! Savage forces of General Warhawk threaten the peace-loving people of the world. There's only one man to call. Get me Rambo. From the canyons of skyscrapers to the canyons of remote mountain peaks, Liberty's champion is unstoppable. Rambo. Helped by the mechanical genius known as Turbo of disguises named Cat, the honor-bound protector of the innocent, Rambo, the Force of Freedom. Rambo, the Force of Freedom was an animated series based on the character of John Rambo from the Rambo book and movie series. The show ran for 65 episodes, debuting April 14th of 1986. In the cartoon, John Rambo is part of a team called the Force of Freedom that goes on missions around the world battling a paramilitary terrorist organization named Savage, short for Specialist Administrators of Vengeance, Anarchy, and Global Extortion. Jeez, what a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is probably like what the government does now is they just create an acronym and then they try and find the words to fill it out. <laughs> That's what I think. But did you watch this when you were a kid? Absolutely not. I, I knew that this show existed, but I there was I never watched it. I think it when I was looking up the show and how how it was broadcast, this was like a daily show in 1986. It came out like Every, like Monday through Friday. That's why I think it was only broadcast in 1986. It was Monday through Friday, 1986, like every day. And that was it. And then that, they, you know, they did their 65 episodes and then it was over. And, and then, syndication later. Yeah, exactly. For a couple years, yeah. But I definitely did not watch it. Uh, I'm, I'm familiar and have been for a, a while, probably longer than I should be with the character of John Rambo and the uh, I never re actually read the book I probably should get around to reading the book I didn't either but I, I kind of want to now yeah but I've definitely seen Rambo uh, First Blood First Blood Part 2 Rambo 3 uh, I, I saw that Rambo that they made not too long ago 2008 or something yeah right? where it was just called Rambo I didn't see it it looked pretty bad so I didn't bother yeah but yeah. I, I never I, so I wasn't that familiar with the cartoon show 
Like, I sort of vaguely was aware that it existed, but I was definitely aware that the toys existed. I had a couple of the toys. I never had the... Man, I had three types of toys growing up. I had Ninja Turtles, I had the real Ghostbusters, and I had Thundercats. And those were the only toys I had for anything. And (laughs) I had no idea that those toys existed. I had no idea that... Really? Yeah, I had no idea that the uh, Chuck Norris Karate Commandos toys existed. Those are the only toys that I knew about and the only ones that I wanted. I had toys. So I had all kinds of like rando toys. My So my family was into garage sales and we would go to a garage sale and the garage sale would have toys that were from some kid who uh, played with the toy for a couple months and and then then forgot about it. And so I ended up with like the Hulk Hogan Ultimate Wrestling toys, and <laughs> I had some Teddy Ruxpin toys, G.I. Joe, and I had uh, Starcom toys, and Visionaries, and Turtles, and G.I. Joe, you know and what? I take, Transformers, and I had all kinds, like, I'd I have a back. couple of toys from each one, so I'd have, like, two Transformers, a couple of Dino Riders, some G.I. Joes, it was like, I had a, like a hodgepodge. I take I take it back. Now that I'm thinking about it, I definitely had some mask toys. I had yeah, the, I had a couple of mask I had toys. The, I had the converting cars and stuff. Yeah. I definitely had some visionaries because I remember the it, it, the the holograms stand out very clearly. Uh, I had some of the uh, what was it? The Funimation, not Funimation, the um, the the other Ghostbusters toys because my family got confused, and I definitely had a couple of GI Joes. Uh, because I think people didn't know what I wanted, so they would just get me whatever. But I didn't take very good care of all those other toys. I only took care of the Ghostbusters, the Ninja Turtles, and the uh, the the Thundercats toys. But so this show is a complete mystery to me. I knew it existed just from doing this doing this podcast. I knew that this show existed, but before. Before today, I had never watched any of the episodes, and I wasn't even familiar with the concept. Just knowing that, just knowing that the same production company made both this and Chuck Norris Karate Commandos, I expected a very similar product, and I was very, very uh, pleasantly surprised at how much better this show was than than it's, it's Chuck so, Norris. It's so different, but uh, in some ways, yet yeah, better. the The animation reminds me a lot of it reminds me a lot of gi joe and the sort of hasbro uh oriented products hasbro sumbro stuff that that came out around the same time Mm -hmm. so this was created by david morell who wrote the first uh rambo book called first blood and the the book when he wrote it, he then went on to write several other books that are part of the series, but Morell has actually written 28 novels and the 2000, 2008 Captain America book miniseries, the chosen and this, the book that the movies and cartoon are based off of was written back in 1972 and didn't get a film adaptation until 10 years later. And so if you think about the sort of timing of everything, the character of the book coming home from Vietnam in 72, man, that is... Makes sense. Makes absolute sense. Now, the movie takes place in like 81, 82. And so what you're talking about is a guy who's several years out and still still there. So if that still makes sense. But it's like uh, there was talk, I think, at some point of rebooting the Rambo franchise. 
uh, for t- for today's modern audience. And You'd so have to do it with like desert. Storm it would have to. Or like, well, I was like going to say would have to do with Iraq and with Iraq and Afghanistan. So that might be the 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 route that they go there. That's yeah. the only thing I could think of. Yeah. So this. This, it was go go ahead. I was gonna say that this show. I mean, we talk about Rambo, but anybody that's familiar with Rambo as a movie, if you saw Rambo and then you saw this cartoon, you're like, this has nothing. This is not Rambo. Like, because you have the music the same. The music is the same, but I but lo- I the love show... the Rambo music. Can I just say I love the Rambo music? I don't even care. I know I'm like stealing your thunder, but well, so, now what I'm what I'm getting at is the show, the cartoon that we watched is not based off of Rambo First Blood as so much as it is based off of Rambo First Blood Part 2 or Rambo 2. Yes. It it yeah. it draws all its visual cues from Rambo 2. It draws the the character design and and really what the character does from Rambo 2. If you've ever seen Rambo, the original Rambo, the character of John Rambo is someone who is suffering from massive PTSD. He's massively depressed. He is trying to make sense of a world that doesn't make sense to him anymore. He, yeah, he came back from Vietnam being called a baby killer. Yeah. He was a former POW. So, like, it's it's a much darker movie. Yeah. And then the, n- number two is just a straight 1980s action film. Yeah. So, you know, I, I was going to... Do we want to talk about that stuff now, or do you want to wait to the end? Well, let's I mean, we let's can... let's talk about let's talk about this show first before we get into. The yeah, comparisons. I think that might be a good idea. So, the writer f- for this is Michael Caine, Michael uh, Caine. but not that Michael Caine. Yeah, uh, a different Michael Caine. There's and actually a bunch of writers because this this show yeah. is kind of like episodic. He's a main writer, mm-hmm. and the assistant story editor was Jack Bornoff. Producer. Uh, in this case, it was Walt Kubiak as well as uh, Joe Ruby and Ken Spears, who we talked about last week. So I'm not really going to get too much into him. The directors were John Kimball. I'm Detective John Kimball again. Uh, but, I'm in another show. <laughs> and then uh, Charles A. Nichols. <laughs> yeah. Who we've talked about the both of them before. Now the theme music was written by Jerry Goldsmith, and the music in the show is sort of rinse lather repeat of the movies and that's not a bad thing no because the movie the soundtrack in the movies is great i i love the music from these movies and mm-hmm. he composed most of the music from the star trek films planet of the apes the omen for which he won an oscar alien gremlins the secret of nim the mummy chinatown air force one total recall and tons of other stuff like he is actually very talented. I mean, he has an Oscar for shit's sake. So I, I do want to bring up the fact that the theme music is also accompanied by something that happens in every episode where <laughs> when I was watching it, I was likening it to Sailor Moon where Rambo has like a transformation transformation sequence. Yes, but all it is is just it's zooming off his muscles and so it's do do and then then a flex from the arm and then a do 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 and showing him tying his shoes. Yeah. And then he pulls on the straps and then it cuts to like whatever they're gonna do. And then it's Yeah. But I just thought it was funny because every episode has a sequence where he does that, where he transforms into Rambo. Even if he's already wearing the clothes he's gonna be wearing as Rambo, they do something where you like you said. It, it focuses in on him flexing of like a bicep 
you know what it, it is? It's like a, and then he, we're gonna get fucking serious yeah, now. He flexes. That's a, what it is. He flexes a bicep. He sheaths his big combat knife, and then he bends down and he ties his shoes, and then it and goes. Then that's it. And then that's it. And then it goes to the sequence, it. and then he yells, "Moon prism power!" And <laughs> Moon prism power activation. <laughs> and then he gets naked really quick, and then you get start feeling weird things about stuff. And, and wait, oh, then that's he wears a, that. That's a different show, Sean. Uh, that, that's that's the after hour show. He, he doesn't wear a, like a sailor suit. Uh, I don't know. Maybe he does. No, no, that was uh, Ultimate Muscle. Oh. <laughs> uh, the, the music in the show was also composed by uh, Haim Saban and Shuki Levy. Which, I don't know what they compose other than add a few do-do-do-do-do to yeah. like, the, the main theme music. So Yeah, I don't know either. This was narrated by Don LaFontaine, who... If you've seen is, a movie in the last 30 yeah. years, he probably voiced the, uh, the, the trailer for the movie. In he, a world. Yeah, that is his line. In a world, he's the one who does that. Exactly. He was often called Thunderthroat and the Voice of God. He actually, I think, died in he did two thousand eight or something. Yeah, and but and he's since... an iconic film sort of, um, you know, uh, commercial uh, voice. Yeah, and in, yeah, I think since then people just mostly tried to copy him. Well, since since he died, be- between him, there was him. He and another guy were the ones that did the vast majority of of the trailer voiceovers. It was him and another another voice actor from the show that we're talking about today. Yeah. And that person is Peter Cullen. Yeah. So Peter Cullen did a lot of that too. And now now it's that guy from uh, Screen Junkies or Fandom now, I guess it is. Who, oh, I who was, does... was going to joke and say it was Pablo Francisco. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I <laughs> so, think he's done some uh, movie voiceovers. Yeah, so, Pablo Fr- so, so if you don't know who Pablo Francisco was, he is a stand-up comic who is known. One of his things that he's known for doing is the inner world. And then he has this fake movie called Little Tortilla Boy that he does. And it's, it's pretty funny. He does like a, a pretty good Arnold Schwarzenegger impersonation. You can go look him up. He had a Comedy Central special on like i don't know 12 years ago but yeah but but he's funny let's get into the cast uh the force of freedom which is the good guy team is headed up by john rambo and in all the episodes that i only watched the first five episodes because it was a five episode intro arc to the it's show. a mini series and then the show itself is the, the rest of the 60 yeah and i know you watched a little bit more do they ever refer to him by his first name ever I don't think not in the ones that I saw. Yeah, because so I saw so I watched three other ones in addition. So we watched the story arc, and then I watched one where he uh, did some space battles in a spacesuit. Uh, one where he battled ghosts, and one with uh, <laughs> uh, I wish I was joking, and then one with some, how can he shoot ghosts? I, I don't know. And then there was one with uh, like Mayan Aztec ruins or something. Oh, God. It's just like I, I went through IMDb and like I read the synopses for all these episodes. It's like I want to watch that. I was one. like that. No, I got to know that. I got it was like what we did when we picked Street Sharks. I was yeah. like, that looks stupid. I got to see it. So John Rambo is voiced by Neil Ross, who is also Ace McCloud. Ace Sin- McCloud. <laughs> Daring air operations specialist. Whatever he was. Uh, he was Shipwreck in Heavy Metal from G.I. Joe, Hector from Jem, Keith, Jeff, Pidge, Chip, Prince, and or Prince Bando from Voltron. He was Oompa from Little Nemo's Adventures in Slumberland. He was the voice of Codex in the Mass Effects games. Shang Tsung from Mortal Kombat, Defenders of the Realm, and... Foreshadowing. Yeah, and, and some other things. And the character of John Rambo, like we were saying in the beginning, he is very much not like John Rambo from First Blood. He is more like John Rambo from First Blood Part 2. But or also, even First Blood Part 3. Yeah, but... Where he's like just a non-existent, just archetype. Yeah, he... He is a team leader. He jokes a little bit. He 
has an aversion to wearing a shirt no matter the conditions of the weather conditions. It, it's like he there's an episode where he okay, so I, I I'm just gonna touch on it now. The action sequences in this show are the most utterly ridiculous thing I have ever seen in an animated series. There is a scene where he jumps out of a plane with no shirt on. (laughs) He flies towards a guy with a parachute on, grabs onto him and rides his way down. Then in another episode, he jumps out of a plane with skis on, (laughs) thousands of feet in the air, lands on his feet, doesn't die, doesn't end up with compound fractures in his tibia, and then skis down the mountain to some evil villain hideout all the while dodging automatic machine gun fire yeah. and jumping over fences and 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 destroying tanks with grenades. Yeah. <laughs> with no shirt on. Well no, in that one in the in the snow episode, he had a he had a light hoodie sweater with cut-off sleeves. Yeah, with cut-off sleeves, but then he <laughs> ends up in the building and takes that off, I think. It's it's absolutely insane. Yeah, the car- but I'm not necessarily complaining. No. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm not complaining because it was actually pretty awesome. The character of the character of John Rambo in this is someone who has an almost supernatural ability to avoid gunfire. Uh, really, everyone in this show has a supernatural ability. It's just like GI Joe. Nobody gets hit by bullets. Everyone always ejects right on time out of their planes as they're going down. No one suffers any. Anything other than like maybe getting thrown into water or thrown through a window or getting punched or something, but no gunfire. So yeah, he does tend to dodge a lot of bullets, and he also seems to cause uh, the the uh, the bad guys to decide to not shoot at him when he's really close and try to either club him with their guns or stab him with like the bayonets on the guns instead of just shooting. It's him. like oh, here's this world famous like hand-to-hand expert and i'm rando bad guy number four and i'm gonna engage him with a with the club of 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 this like baseball bat instead of the pistol in my other hand it like it makes no sense whatsoever yeah and that's everyone calls him rambo everyone in the show calls him rambo his friends call him rambo the enemies call him Rambo. Random people on the street call him Rambo. Nobody calls him John, which is why I brought it up in the first place. Uh, the next character is Colonel Samuel Trotman, who is the character from the movie, uh, the sort of co or the sort of antagonist. Co- I don't even know what he was. Of, in the movie. Uh, he's like the boss in the in the chair, sort of. Yeah, sort of character. He is voiced by Alan Oppenheimer, who was Oom from Little Nemo. He was Falcor from The Neverending Story. Doctor Wells and the Six Million Dollar Man. He was the head IT tech in the original version of Westworld, which came out in 73 believe it or not he's the voice of prime evil in the filmation ghostbusters series as well as rainoki on the wuzzles and he's probably most known for his roles as skeletor uh and man at arms and merman in the 1980s he-man show so uh we've actually talked about him several times as you know we'll actually do for some of these characters because uh, we actually have a pretty star-studded cast for voice actors. Yeah, in, in, the show. in terms of 1980s voice actors, these these are kind of the cream of the crop. You we have oh yeah, no, like, in this I show. think we got pretty much all the cream of the crop here. Yeah, and so, his, the character of, of uh, Colonel Troutman, he's sort of in the show. He's sort of a tangential character. He's he's Rambo's commanding officer. That's what I mean. He's just the boss in the chair. Yeah, he he calls Rambo out to do stuff and. 
that's about it. The next character is Edward Hayes, also known as Turbo. Uh, and he's played by James Avery, who is Uncle Phil from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, War Machine from the 1990s Iron Man series, uh, Gorilla Gore from Captain Simeon and the Space Monkeys. Which is a great show, by the yeah, way. Yeah, he, orig- he was Shredder from the original Ninja Turtles cartoon from the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, sadly and he died in 2013, so... He did, and the character of Turbo is Rambo's sort of... I don't want to call him the sidekick, but he's like his partner. It's like his mechanical expert. He's always the one flying the plane, driving the boat, whatever. Fixing stuff. Fixing stuff, yeah. Yeah, and... and <laughs> he's not a completely useless character. Like they actually show him do stuff, which is cool. Yeah, so. he's he's not a side, he's not just like a, a a side character. He he goes on missions by himself. He he gets Rambo out of out of problems. He flies a helicopter in and saves him a couple of times. Yeah. The next character is Catherine Ann Taylor, otherwise known as Cat. Oh, Isn't that's that why, clever. That's why she's called Cat. Got it. Voiced by Mona Marshall, who is I think most known as Sheila Broflowski from the uh, the show South Park. What what what? And, yeah, right. So she also did work on shows like Fraggle Rock and Digimon, and we talked about her uh, last episode as the voice of Too Much. Too much. Now the next character we don't really wait, see. Wait 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 before you go to the next character, you oh, gotta go say ahead. you gotta go say what cat what her specialty is. Her specialty is dressing up like an old lady. That is true. She is the master of disguise slash spy. And most of the time that means that she dresses up like an old lady in a white wig and goes and like infiltrate something. And except in one episode, she dressed as like an Asian serving girl. And yeah. And she basically just overhears stuff and then goes and tells Rambo that that's her specialty. But she does in a couple episodes, she does do things uh, she does things that are independent. You know, she she goes on a mission herself. Mm-hmm. Like Rambo's doing something, Turbo's doing something, and Cat's doing something. They all have different parts to play. So she she's not just like some side character that doesn't do anything. No, she is, and like sometimes she'll actually fight guys and stuff. Exactly. And she, yeah, she was. She has that same power Rambo has because in one of the episodes that I watched, there were two guys with guns that saw her, and instead of shooting her, they came and tried to club her with the guns, and she jump kicked them. So ridiculous. <laughs> The next character was not in any of the episodes that you and I both watched, nor the episodes that I watched independently, but that character is White Dragon, who's voiced by Robert Ito, who we have talked about before, and uh, Robert Ito was Sam Fujiyama on Quincy Emmy, Uh, he did animated work on shows like Captain Planet, Avatar, Darkwing Duck, Chippendale, Rescue Rangers, Savage Dragon... Carmen San Diego, SWAT Cats, Biker Mice from Mars, Gargoyles, Batman the Animated Series. I think we talked about him last, uh, what, two weeks ago. So mm-hmm. uh, the next character has no voice credit, and I looked everywhere, and it is for Touchdown, which is uh, Jones and and then uh, Jones and Chief. So, yeah. Uh, now we get to the fun characters. <laughs> the fun characters of Savage, the specialist administrators of vengeance, anarchy, and global extortion. <laughs> The leader of Savage is is General Warhawk, who is voiced by Michael Ansara. He is Kane from Buck Rogers, and probably most famously to people that are listening to this, he was Victor Freeze in Batman the Animated Series. Uh, We covered him in uh, an episode where we were going over our favorite episodes, and this was my favorite episode, which was the Heart of Ice episode. And uh, in that episode, he said, Revenge is a dish best served cold which is an old Klingon proverb, which is also taken, I think, from Shakespeare. Yeah. 
I think so. Well, you know, there's a lot of Shakespearean influence yeah. in the original Star Trek, so. He played the first Commander Kang uh, from, uh, and that's, the reason I brought that up is that Michael Ansara played Commander Kang from Star Trek, uh, The Undiscovered Country, from 1990, or no, sorry, 1966's Star Trek. I'm thinking of the one where he also said that. So he played the original Commander Kang in that one, and he threatened the life of the entire Enterprise crew with the line, you will die in the icy cold of space. I, I think his character, General Warhawk, is he, he doesn't do anything. He's he's like a He's dressed in a pseudo sort of it's it's a bright blue pseudo SS uniform. Yeah, I was gonna with say with a writing crop. It's very like Nazi-esque influenced. Yeah. But he doesn't do anything. I, I was he just talk he like walks around, talks like a bad guy, and then literally does nothing. Wears mirrored sunglasses. Yeah. Uh, to me, he was he was a uh he was a Cobra commander with no personality. Yeah. Like Cobra commander is entertaining because he's so ridiculous and so over the top. This guy is just like, he's just a generic bad guy who leads. And as I was watching this, I wanted to know what the whole, like it's something that you see a lot in shows where there is like a main bad guy that has a bunch of henchmen in shows like that came out in the eighties where you have like GI Joe and mask and, and these shows where all like these, these bad guys have this no motivation. No, no, no. It's not that it's that they have ridiculous money somewhere to hire all these goons to have all this equipment and all this technology. And the good guys tend to blow that shit up. And then they come back like the next week and they've got aircraft carriers opium. and jets. And Sean, it's opium. Is That's that what it is? <laughs> it's got to be because, opium. Because in almost every episode that I watched, Rambo and his team would destroy like massive equipment from like Savage's arsenal. Would destroy stuff that General Warhawk, I'm assuming, is on the on the... On the, uh, the 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 footing the bill for. I, I want to get into some of that a little bit later because some of it is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. So well, let's let's keep going with the uh, with the characters. Next character is Sergeant Havoc, who has a metal claw for a hand. No, no, right? no, no, no. Oh no, Sergeant that's Gripper. Sorry, yeah. I'm turned around. Sergeant yeah. Havoc wears the tank top with like, yeah the... the weird thing on it. Yeah. Okay, that's right. So he is voiced by Peter Cullen, who is of course Optimus Prime. Yeah. If you don't know who Optimus Prime is, uh, go crawl back onto the rock from once you came. So he's. Still Still doing the voice of Optimus Prime. I know. That's why you should know. That's crazy. So he voiced Monterey Jack in the first three seasons of Chippendale Rescue Rangers. He voiced Nintendo's mascot Mario in the Donkey Kong segments on Saturday Morning Supercade. And he was Eddie, uh, one of the main characters for Funimation's Ghostbusters. The one that I keep pushing for that you really don't (laughs) want to watch. So he apparently did a show called Saber Rider and the Star Sheriffs, which, you know, we talked about way back when we did Chippendale Rescue Rangers, but I have still never gotten around to watching it. But the intro looks absolute like batshit bananas. So he was the voice of Gunner and Dino Riders. He was... And various other voices. He was also a a uh, movie trailer, like we said earlier. He did a lot of movie trailer voiceovers. Um, he's got one of the most recognizable voices in all of of voice voiceover. Uh, in this, he does like a... It's sort of like a French accent, I want to say. He sounds like his Monterey Jack character. Yeah, a little bit. A and, little bit. And the character of Sergeant Havoc, and I keep wanting to say Sergeant Hatred because I'm a big Venture Brothers fan, which is maybe <laughs> where they got Sergeant Hatred from. I'm not sure. But Could the, be. The character of Sergeant uh, Havoc is one that is like a lackey, but like a main lieutenant who is somewhat capable for uh, for uh, General, General Warhawk. And... Uh, 
he basically it, it's between him and the next character who is called Gripper, who you alluded to before, who is yeah. voiced by Lenny Weinrib, who was the title role of H.R. Puff and Stuff in the original voice of Scrappy-Doo, but just for like one year. He was also Lotar from Voltron. And the character of Gripper, at least in the episodes that I watched, didn't get a whole lot of screen time. He is mostly like a background lackey. Like if... if uh, I think there's like one scene where they... They just make use of his like weird grabber claw. Yeah, and that's if, it. If if Sergeant Havoc is like General Warhawk's second in command, then then Gripper is very much like a distant third. And I wanted to know if there was some rule in in eighties like action cartoons that you had to have a bad guy with a claw or like a clamp arm. I feel like it's it was mandatory because you had it in Karate Commandos. You had it in. Um, uh, centurions. He had uh-huh. a, he had a claw, and also in in uh, street sharks. Street sharks. Yes, he had a he had like a hook, but still, yeah, but it's the same concept. Enough. Yeah, it's just it's just a it's a weird thing. It's a it, weird trope. Yeah, it's like he lost his arm. He also had an eye patch. I want to say, eye yeah, patch I think and he a did. Claw. So uh, he the, was he was mostly like a like I said a background character. He did like one thing in one episode that I watched, but not yeah, a whole but lot. But like not much. The mm-hmm. other there's so there's a couple of other like side characters that um, maybe we'll just go through quickly because they don't. Really, they don't get a whole lot of screen, a sh- uh, whole lot of screen time. So, Nomad, who's voiced by Ed Gilbert, who was the voice of Baloo and Tailspin, and General Hawk from the GI Joe movie, Mad Dog, who is voiced by Frank Welker. I don't know if we've talked about him before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like literally over a thousand credits. Uh, Black Dragon, also voiced by Robert Ito. Snakebite, voiced by Stanley Ralph Ross, who actually was a writer for the 1960s Batman series with adam west and was in so have you heard about this show i've never heard of it before it's called dark paw or, or the character's name is dark paw and the show is called the paw paws i i'm gonna look it up right now because, it's a hanna-barbera series yeah I'm, that is about three native american bears yeah i that that sounds familiar and only because i i, I feel like i've never heard of that before it only, but at any rate, he was, oh, that's who he oh, was. Oh, I absolutely remember this show, and it is only because. Oh yeah, no, I'm looking at I'm looking at pictures of it. I absolutely remember yeah, this show. Yeah, because I looked at it, I didn't remember anything. I absolutely remember this show. This was one of those like, this was one of those like countless. Uh, this is like the Snorks and the Smurfs, where you and, right. and the the uh, the Monchichis and like. A lot of those shows came out at the same time where they all had kind of the same concept. The only reason I remember this show is because when I was younger, I used to watch a lot of Cartoon Network and a lot of old, old Cartoon Network was, was the stuff early Hanna Barbera. Yeah, it was the stuff that they yeah. showed on Boomerang. So I caught a lot of older shows that I probably would never have seen otherwise. I definitely remember this show. So there were toys, as we mentioned before. I don't want to get too far into the toys, but if you look up images of the toys from the show, they're not great. They're kind of cheesy looking. And the, and on top of that, the toys were produced for way longer than this show was around. I can imagine. Like for years, years. And there is a video game. It's not really based off the show so much as it's just more based broadly off of the Rambo mythos. Mm-hmm. And and that came out in 1987 f- uh, for the uh, regular Nintendo 
So now, this this show, I want to say that this show, when I looked up um, Rambo Part Two, because I don't remember, I don't remember exactly when the show came out. Oh, 1985. So this show came out in or the the movie Rambo Part Two, which is where this show derives, I think, most of its inspiration, almost all of its inspiration from. That came mo- out the year before. The year before, but. That leads me to believe that this show, that this this cartoon that we're that we're reviewing, was made almost like I want to say the pre production probably had to happen around the same time. It's like we're gonna make this Rambo movie, and yeah. like let's start thinking about a it's Rambo probably, cartoon. I mean, it's six months out, so this came out in April, and so I'd say you know the first move. So yeah, what I'm thinking is the idea- Rambo part Rambo Part Two came out the year before. And it did well in the box office. And as soon as that happened, they go, boom, we got to make money. We got to make money fast. And yeah. So they pumped out this cartoon show as fast as they could. Yeah, the show, the the it's so weird. And we talked about this last time. And I know we talked about this with RoboCop. And let, let's talk, before we get into this, let's talk about like the basic setup of at least the first five episodes that I watch. You can talk about the ones that you watch. It's it's your basic. I don't, we don't need to talk about mine because they're just well, silly. But but it's the same premise. I mean, <laughs> it's it's the same story arc. Yeah, it, it's, from episode to episode. It's, so in the first five, that guy wants to do a bad thing. They start to try and do a bad thing. Rambo tries to stop them. Bad guy sort of succeeds, but then Rambo comes back and stops them, has a montage of him tying his shoes, yeah. gets real badass, beats the bad guys, but the bad guys don't die, and so they come back the next episode. That's that's the plot. Yeah, so in the first five episodes, it was the most like a 1980s action movie, because it had a very it had a very coherent plot, I guess, sort of. Ish. Where the where the bad guy, General General Warhawk was uh, trying to take over a what was seen Tierra Libre, which e- means free land, free land. Yeah. So well, he's so it, it's there's it's, some allegory there between you know the the ideas in the 1980s being anti-communism and American freedom and yeah. So yeah, so there's there's some of that. In well, there. it's it's ostensibly like a Central or South American country throwaway. Yeah, location. It, it, it could yeah, be yeah. it could be Nicaragua, it could be Panama, it could be any of those countries. Yeah. And this uh, this paramilitary group comes in to, to literally overthrow the government and make that, like, conquer the country and make it their country. And just like in uh, Rambo First Blood Part Two, the, uh, the uh, uh, Colonel Troutman comes in and tells Rambo, like, hey, we need you to do this, but we can't, like, the government will d- disavow. It's like Mission Impossible. The government will disavow if you get caught. Right. So you need to do this like sort of on the down low, co- collect your team and blah, blah, blah. And so uh, Rambo goes in to essentially liberate this country from this military despot that's come in to just take over. And that the first five episodes play out that way. And each time he, he like, you know, buffets him off. And each time the guy comes back, the, the general Warhawk comes back with a new thing. He, he has like a, he steals a gunship and he's going to like destroy the, the, the country. And then he somehow raises some world war two. I'm assuming like war. It is. Battleship. So, like, so the Yamato, cause I, I went back and, and like, I knew about the, the ship. Cause I, I kind of like world war two history. I think it's interesting and it's fascinating and, um, so much of modern day is shaped by the way that we waged war and the political outcomes thereof. So the Yamato was the 
huge, big battleship produced by the Japanese Navy. They produced two of these ships in the same size, and one of them was the Yamato. And it was this sort of Japanese equivalent of the Bismarck, if you know anything about World War II history. Mm -hmm. So the Germans had the Bismarck, which was a supposedly unbeatable uh, battleship, and the Japanese had the Yamato. And uh, the Yamato actually ended up getting sunk at the end, towards the end of World War II, uh, by torpedoes and torpedo uh, and bombers. and so the ship was sunk into the Pacific. Apparently right next to Tierra Leone. Or Tierra Libre. Well, they, they sunk it and then they sailed across the Pacific to go conquer this Central American co- uh, country. Yeah, apparently. But, but they... The, so this is this was one of the things I wanted to talk about is absolutely ridiculous. Because the Yamato was sunk. And when it was sunk, it was absolutely decimated. Yeah. Like... So almost the entire crew did not survive the sinking of the Yamato. You mean it wasn't just a small hole that they were able to patch up pretty quickly? That's basically what they showed in this show. <laughs> and so in the in real life, the almost the entire crew went down with the ship. The ship was in shambles at the bottom of the Pacific in multiple pieces because they've we've since have found the wreckage. There there was talk in. Uh, I want to say a couple of years ago actually about bringing the ship back up and, and doing burial for some of these. Uh, people who are lost at sea, but that's another discussion. The boat, there's no way you could get this thing off the seafloor. And with a boat that was so we're talking about smaller, the boat that was smaller. Well, not just that. So the boat is smaller than the Yamato. And then on top of that, this is 40 years afterwards. So there, the ship would be in no condition, even if it just had a small hole in it to sail again. So the concept is the most ridiculous Sail again and also be able to use all of the, uh, all of the weaponry. Yeah. The war ordinance on the ship somehow magically. Yeah. The, the, uh, the, the, the gun barrels aren't full of like coral and shit. The part that I think is the most hilarious is that after the ship gets raised and it comes towards Tierra Leone, the Tierra Libre. Tierra Libre. So you're, sorry, you're thinking the same thing. I keep yeah. thinking Sierra Leone. Yeah. So on its way back to uh, to Tierra Libre, the the ship actually gets attacked by torpedoes and torpedo boats, and they go, "Oh, ha ha!" Like left not even a scratch on the armor. Yeah, it didn't and I was scratch like, the paint. I was job. like, so forty year later armaments are not even going to scratch the paint on a boat that's been sitting at the bottom of the ocean for 40 years that was sunk by crappier technology-versioned torpedoes. Magic. It's magic. It made no sense. But but at any rate, you know, they, they, they are out to try and conquer this country. For whatever and, reason, for they whatever chose reason. this one. And, and Rambo and his friends are trying to save them. And in every episode, they more or less succeed and do their job. And it's literally a thing that it, it's a trope of 1980s action movies where you pick any movie with Chuck Norris, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone. Hell, throw in um, Bruce Willis. Throw in basically anybody who was in the movie The Expendables. Throw in any of those guys. And you put them in a movie in the 1980s, and they are one-man armies. They take out multiple, multiple people with one or maybe two people. They take out entire squads, units of, of men from some poor South American or like South Asian, Southeast Asian country. Yeah, it's always they, Southeast they, Asia or Central America. And they decimate them. They decimate them and they like guerrilla warfare. They, you know, there's always a scene where they'll like paint their face. And they actually did that 
in one of the in one of the episodes, yeah. they had Rambo go and essentially do guerrilla warfare on on like the 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 bad guys of Savage. He, he came out of like a mud wall and strangled a guy. He like he was using he was doing stuff that he did I think in First Blood Part Two where he was. He was digging like tiger pits and punji pits from from Vietnam, and they yeah. were, they uh, obviously they didn't have like sharpened bamboo at the bottom of yeah, them. Yeah, because nobody in this dies. In fact, <laughs> no. at one point he shoots a a a rocket at a tank and blows the front of the tank off, and the the hole is then there, and then the two guys are sitting there like, "Oops, oh shit!" And even, then they jump out and and escape. Even better than that, I think it was I think it was the snow episode where he was skiing. I can't remember, but there's one where he has grenades. I think that's why it was that one where he literally opens up the top of a tank and throws a grenade in there and closes it. And the whole top of the tank explodes Blows off. And then two guys, three jump guys, out. Three, oh, guys three? Yeah, three guys jump yeah. out after the like, and, and there's a, there's a part two. That's the thing. It's like this show has, this show honestly is not that toyetic at all. It has very realistic, uh, like armaments, armaments and, yeah. and and vehicles. I will say, well, there's a couple. Uh, there's nah, like a handful nah, of ones that are. Hold on, when you get into the later episodes, it gets a little more toyetic. It he like he has a specific watercraft, and uh, they have okay. like weird hover hover things, and some of the guys they have like these wearable guns that are like it very much looks okay. like toys. So the first five episodes are not very toyetic. No, it, it seems like the show in the first. But the five action episodes, in the later episodes is the action and the animation and the story progression it it still looks and feels like these first five so yeah so like it really yeah that it's more toyetic well what i was but that's not really that big of an issue what i was getting at is in the first in the first five you have rambo and his team using and and the bad guys too using weapons that are fairly realistic they're not they're not shooting lasers they're not shooting like weird no it's like gatling guns and it's it's gatling guns from from an aircraft M- and an m4 and like yeah, AKs with, with and a bayonet and, yeah. and it's and it's like at one point during the uh the the one with the yamato like he was using a mortar launcher to shoot mortars onto the ship the thing that the thing that made me laugh though is how inconsistent they were with like what the weapons actually did. Like they were very realistic weapons. He was using regular old pineapple grenades, right? And in, and they would somehow destroy half a tank well, in one episode, and then in other episodes they would do almost nothing. Well, that's the thing is in there's one episode uh, where that took place at the UN, and as as uh, the president of of uh, Tierra Libre, as his daughter was being kidnapped from the UN. The the guy as he was leaving throws a grenade at Rambo and it explodes right next to him. But instead of doing any damage to Rambo, it just shatters a column that's next to him and makes it fall on him. Which makes no sense. Because, yeah, that's not the way that grenades work. If a grenade exploded next to you, you would be dead. Well, <laughs> so this kind of gets into some of the controversy related to the show. So this was the first show that was also... Uh, based off of an R-rated film property. And it, Such a weird it, concept it had, for a kid's show. It is, and it had a little... The controversy was the production company wasn't really sure how to have a character that was supposed to be child-friendly that was actually based off of a Vietnam War veteran suffering from PTSD. So the show's child psychology advisors, because that's a thing... Uh, believed that the target audience, young kids and preteens, wouldn't be able to grasp 
David Morrell's character. And so they recommended that the cartoon not make any reference to Vietnam, POWs, or Rambo's experience in the 1982 uh, First Blood or 85's Rambo First Blood Part 2. So he's just a standalone character as if that backstory doesn't exist. Now, we as the viewer, because we don't live in a vacuum, are fully aware that this character exists because even kids in like 1985 would 86 would go, Hey, I know who that is. It's a, yeah, this he was is a, a thing. It was a very successful movie. So like, I wasn't fully aware of Rambo. I didn't watch Rambo until I was a little older when mm-hmm. my dad said, Hey, you know that cause I ha- he had me watch the first one. You want to see go- a dead body? <laughs> You'll well, see a bunch of them in this movie. Well, so what it was is I was around that age and I was like, Hey, you know, Rambo obviously is like a tough guy. They would show him on tiny tune adventures and animaniacs that have spoofs of these characters. And I didn't understand the reference. Uh-huh. And my dad said, you know, I think you're old enough to understand. So first he pulled me aside. We had a sit down cause my, my dad, uh, was in the air force. And so he sat me down and he talked about, this is the Vietnam war. This is what happened. And you know, this is what happened when people came back and like we, I was like eight or nine years old. He, he treated it in a very respectful way, but in a way that I can understand. Mm-hmm. And then he said, now this is the context for what this story is about. Mm-hmm. And then I watched the first movie and I was eight or nine years old. And it was, it was, uh, it was actually sort of a, a watershed moment for me. Because I, I didn't understand the context of war. Either. I was eight, you know, I didn't I watched G.I. Joe's. And then I was like, holy shit, you know, like this is a big thing. Yeah. So, so, you know, they made a conscious decision for this show to just ignore that. Which I get why, because a five-year-old is not going to understand the context of PTSD. Yeah. You know? Five-year-old's going to understand Rambo throwing grenades at people, though. Right, exactly. But but then the kid, the, then nobody dies from it. Yeah, so. no, literally nobody dies. I mean, there's a couple of times where you're like, mm, that person probably didn't survive, because probably. Like, but then they don't ever talk about yeah, it. Yeah, if so. they don't, if they don't show the corpse, the person's not dead. Uh, it's 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 an interesting concept, and it, it's one that you can't if you know about Rambo and you know about the cartoon and you know about the movies and the books, you can't ignore how honestly inappropriate this character is for a kid's show. I don't know what the hell they were thinking when they decided... I mean, don't get me wrong. The show isn't bad. It's just such a... It's such a weird idea. It'd be like if they made a Jigsaw cartoon. Like, what? Why? What kids are gonna want... Like, why would you put that to, like, little kids? Why would you take John Rambo and think that that's an appropriate character to make into a cartoon? It's just... Like... I get that Rambo and Rambo 2 were very popular movies, but you don't, I, I, I just, I don't know what was going through the, the, uh, the, the creator's heads when they decided that the character of Rambo would be good for a cartoon. It like, he, like he, just on its surface, he is a super violent, hyper killing machine. Like that's what he At does. Least in the second one. Oh, in the second one. Yeah. He's blowing people up with explosive arrows. Like, right. <laughs> Well, and and I think to talk about this show means to talk about the movies, as we're doing right now, and then therefore the book. Now, in the book, Rambo hitchhikes through Madison County, Kentucky, and he gets picked up for vacancy by this local police chief. And then when they put him in a cold, wet cell for 35 days, he gets flashbacks to his time in a Vietnamese POW camp. 
And then when they try to cut his hair and shave him to clean him up for court, he loses it and has a full-on mental break and kills one of the officers and beats the other one half to death. And then he goes into the woods and is the subject of a nationwide manhunt that results in the deaths of multiple police, multiple civilians, and several National Guardsmen. The book actually ends with Rambo wanting to have a, quote, honorable death, but is he, he can't because he tries to commit suicide using a bomb to kill his opponent, but it doesn't end up working. He then ends up getting mortally injured by the police chief and is then killed by special forces, uh, by the special forces captain named Troutman, which is where his character comes from. And then both Rambo and the police chief die happy Rambo from getting his honorable death and the police chief, when he experiences affection for Rambo in his final moments. In the, in the movie adaptation, uh, the movie ends with Rambo and the police chief, both still alive and Rambo delivers a pretty heartfelt monologue to his former commanding officer, Colonel Troutman about uh, coming back with PTSD, the way that he was treated upon his return. I mean, I know that a lot of people remember how, uh, that were around then remember how we treated uh, Vietnam veterans, like you're saying, as baby killers, as murderers, and they were spitting on them during during protests, and during stuff. protests and right. stuff. Um, the way he was returned, the the way that he was treated uh, upon his return, and the horrors of war in general. And if you haven't seen the first film, it's you should. It's it's worth it's worth a watch. Um, Stil- it really touches like on those poignant moments. Yeah, Stallone's actually a halfway decent actor. He's actually a good actor. Um, his original couple of roles, I know that we might think of him as not that great of an actor now, but actually, I mean, his his role in like Creed, which is a fairly recent movie, and Creed Two looks pretty much a lot of the same. Mm-hmm. He is a good actor. Yeah, Copland, I think from the late '80s, also was a good one. He he was in, mm-hmm. but uh, by the second film. Uh, it's by and large like a standard, like we said earlier, it's a standard like nine, 1980s action flick where you have a uh, a, a one-man army. And, and you get this, this is where we get the image of Rambo that we all sort of know and understand with the red bandana, the camo pants, the no shirt, the combat boots, the big giant knife. The giant knife. Yeah. The, the, what what I think a lot of people affectionately refer to as like a Rambo knife. Yeah. It, it's it's essentially that's what I, I had one when I was a kid. Yeah. And that's what I called it. It's like a it's like a combat survival knife. That's what it is. Yeah. And it's it's a Rambo knife. So the juxtaposition between the first movie and then the second are I think sort of almost an insult to the message they're attempting to portray in the first film at all. Mm-hmm. But then to bring that full circle, the show that we're talking about today and that juxtaposition it is brought to a sort of comical level, essentially turning Rambo into a caricature of himself in what is in essence, the one man army in Rambo part two. Yeah. And, and, this is not necessarily an indictment of the show. It's just that... I enjoyed the show. I, I did too. I, I thought I, the show was fun. It's just... Like, we talked a little bit of shit on it today, but, like, honestly, the action is cool. Yeah. Like, it's animated well. It's it's sometimes so ridiculous that it's funny. Oh, I laughed a lot. <laughs> but you know what? What I noticed was it was, like, action set piece to action set piece to action set piece. It was like 110% from the beginning to the end. Mm-hmm. It just moved. The The thing about the show is that you can't divorce it from your prior knowledge of, of the subject matter. You right. can't like if it was a standalone show and like an IP, like an original IP 
And that like the show would be super cool because there'd be nothing detracting from it. But the fact that we know that this is Rambo and we know that the character exists and we know what that character is, it just, it makes it seem kind of weird when sort of hollow. Yeah. When, when, because like you said, the Rambo from Rambo two was a caricature of Rambo from Rambo one. And this Rambo from the cartoon is a caricature of a caricature from Rambo 2. Right. So, so we're it's like so far removed, it might as well just not even I mean it might as well be a a, a new IP. Yeah. And, and I mean ultimately the show was good. If you got a chance to go back and watch It is really fun. Like again, it, the character the bad guys aren't super over the top where you're like these guys are ridiculous. It's not like 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 Norris. Yeah. It's not it's not like that, but you know, it is it is a little bit comical because you've got the guy with the metal claw and the eye patch and the sort of pseudo SS, you know, like bad guy leader. Yeah, and, it's comical you know. that the it's comical that the bad guys somehow have the billions of dollars in funding to continuously man and equip their operations. Like I said, it's opium, Sean. It's opium. <laughs> is that how is that how all of the uh, all of the uh, the the super villains of like the nineteen sixties and seventies were and able 80s? to? And 80s? D- didn't you watch Crocodile Dundee? That's why it's all cocaine. Remember. <laughs> <laughs> just, just the, just the, uh, the countless faceless uh, henchmen that that get killed and fed to sharks and crocodiles and stuff. And Romancing then... the stone, <laughs> right? There's more drugs. Yeah. Right. So I, you know, again, I, I'm not saying don't watch it. I, I, I like this. It was like fun, it and I would absolutely recommend it. But I would say that if you're gonna watch this, that I would at least recommend watching the first Rambo movies. A lot of people love Rambo Part Two, and I would say, okay, that's fine. But, but that's fir- eighties Rambo. But that's eighties Rambo, and the first one, although it came out in the nineteen eighties, it's it's a different, it's an entirely almost different genre. It, it's more, yeah, man. I, I don't even know how to describe the first one. It, it is actually kind of brilliant. It's like when, a, when you think about when you think about the broader story context. Yeah, the the first one is. It's it's like a war story, but the I mean that's basically what it is. It's it's a war story, but told from someone who's already back. It's sad. Yeah. It, it is sad, and it's touching, and it it's man. It's so weird to 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 think about that, and then to think about the show that we just watched because yeah. it's so different. Yeah, he likes. So you know what I would say? I would say I would recommend this for yeah. sure, but I would also recommend the first movie. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, this, this show is definitely, in my opinion, worth a watch. Uh, it's got it's got a really good voice cast. Uh, yeah, it, it's yeah. it's literally like the all stars of the nineteen eighties voice cast, and the action is fun. The, like yeah. it's just fun. It's a lot it's of explosions. Ridiculous. There's a lot of explosions. There's a lot of like at, at least watch the first five, the first miniseries, the five episodes. It it'll if you have a soft spot in your heart like I do for like ridiculous nineteen eighties action movies. Oh yeah, then yeah. you like will be me. you'll be a hundred percent at home in this show because that's essentially what the show is. It's a ridiculous nineteen eighties action movie, but over the course of sixty five episodes, and uh, it's I don't know. I don't know what else to say about it other than give it a watch. It's it's out there. You can find it, and it's totally worth it. Um, it's there's there's nothing really bad about it. No, there's really nothing bad about this show. The acting is all good. The voicing is all good. Yeah. The, the the animation is good. There's... I felt like the the action set pieces were were like the big selling point. They're they're actually pretty fun to watch. So yeah. 
So with that said, I think that will do it this week. Yeah. We want to thank uh, John Howarth for our music. Yep. The song is Nascent. You can find a link to SoundCloud on our website, which is childhoodremastered.com. It's got all of our uh, show episodes. It's got all of our notes for the show. If you want access to those notes, though, and soon to be some uh, special episodes, then you'll want to join our mailing list. We promise we won't spam you with anything other than new episodes other than new episodes or some sort of vast major change and we're going to continue recording uh, every two weeks or so or putting out an episode every two weeks we are part of the acpn uh network which is acpnet.net there's a bunch of great shows on there you've got like uh pop culture shows review type shows both tv and movies Mm -hmm. you've got nostalgia shows like us yeah yeah, you've got uh shows that that uh that deal with like spooky stuff uh yeah so there's all kinds of stuff that that they cover and if there's anything interesting coming down the pike some some projects that we're kind of working on on the side uh we will definitely bring that to you you know sean's been kind of doing a side project himself we may come out with some bonus episodes along the way and uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah, so uh, if you want to, please uh, rate us five stars on uh, on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. It helps us out and uh, recommend us to a friend. Let us know if you have a uh, if you have a uh... questions, comments, concerns, complaints. Actually, the concerns uh, complaints you can keep to yourself. But... Yeah, requests too. If you want to see us uh, do a specific show you want to see, then let us know and we can try and work it in. Actually, if you want, you can rate us five stars and then tell us how terrible we are. <laughs> if that's if that's what's on your mind, yeah. you can do that too. Yeah, so uh, until next time, this is Sean. And Chris. And this has been your Childhood Remastered. We will see you next time. <laughs>